Hey, everybody, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it's like to manage the ups and downs of a creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. So this episode of Process is going to be a little bit different. Um, There are some episodes of this podcast where I interview makers from around the world, and we talk about how they manage the ups and downs of their creative journeys. And then there are other episodes where I share my own journey and what's going on with projects that I'm working on and stuff like that. But instead of doing that, I decided that this week I wanted to talk to not just one maker, uh, not just tell you my story, but instead tell you about a whole bunch of different makers because I feel like there's something that we haven't explored here on the on the podcast I think it's time that we talked about it because the truth is that as makers, I feel like the majority of us face very similar problems, if not all at the same time, but throughout our careers. So right now we might not be facing, you know, uh, imposter syndrome or feel a fear of failure, but at one point we have, and we will. And I have this theory that if I sent out an email in this case, I send out an email or a tweet or a Slack message to different people and ask them to send me a one to two minute clip of their answer to a certain question, which I'll share with you in a second. I had a theory that they'd all be very similar. And well, you'll have to tune in and to the rest of the episode to see if whether or not that's true. But I thought to myself, you know, even if I'm wrong, even if all the answers are different, I want everybody that I reach out to, to share how they're handling it. And maybe we can learn something from each other. So that's what I did. I sent out this little call for help, uh, for the podcast. And I sent out a question, which I'll, I'll share in a second, but I sent out this question so that we can one commiserate, you know, we're, we're all kind of facing very similar issues, but at the same time, learn from each other and see if we can all help each other with our own creative journeys. I'm a big believer in that makers rule the world. (laughs) And not only do they rule the world, but making stuff feels good. So I wanted to talk to different makers. And let me just go through the list here and tell you a little bit about the makers that I reached out to. So these creators are, I mean, I spoke to a writer, a developer, various, actually various developers, a consultant, an artist, a marketer, uh, and more to just discover what's going on in different areas, you know, different industries. And also not all of these creative people that you'll hear from during this episode are freelancers or entrepreneurs. Some of them work for other people. So some big companies, some small, smaller companies. And I thought it would be you know, it's important to share their voices as well. So let's jump into this, you know, kind of remix of an episode and hear from our first guest. And I'm going to start with my buddy, my buddy Mario. And I want to start with Mario because he is, well, backstory, he's a very close friend from like middle school. I moved to Nicaragua when I was 12 and Mario and I have been buds ever since. Um, I recently was in San Francisco and stayed with him whenever he comes down to Nicaragua to visit his family. He comes to see my little guy and we have a blast. But 
I want to talk about Mario first because Mario is a musician. So just to give you a general bio for Mario, he's worked at, ever since he graduated uh, UCLA Film School, which mega props, right? Um, he's been working at different companies, including Wavehouse, and most recently he's at, now he's at GoPro, where he is creative director, which badass, <laughs> right? Um, and he sent me, when I asked him, this question that I'm about to share with you, he sent me a few files. He sent me one about GoPro, one about his upcoming marriage, which I'm super excited about. <laughs> and he also sent me this audio clip about his music. And I decided to use his music for this episode because he is, you know, it's a side project. It's something that he's very passionate about. It's something that he loves that I love. I have, you know, Mario on my Spotify and my iTunes and my son knows when you were listening to Mario on, you know, on my phone. But I think that what Mario shares in this audio clip is universally something that we've all dealt with from, you know, at one point or another. So I asked Mario to share with us what he's been making lately, tell us a little bit about his music and everything. And then tell us about, you know, what's the biggest struggle he's facing with that and how he's handling it. So here's Mario. Hey, so I'm actually working on some songs for my next EP. I just released one that took about two or three years to make. Um, I had the songs for a while, but just the actual process of producing and working and collaborating with artists and, and getting some funds together, all that took a long time. So I sort of... Um, learned and um, I'm trying to apply that for the next EP. Uh, the stuff that I'm struggling with is, uh, I guess the key learnings from the first EP is, is ultimately I do do the music for myself uh, because I really enjoy playing with musicians, but it is cool to be able to share it with people outside of my family and, and high school and work friends. So how to actually build an audience is probably what I'm struggling the most. And so as I write new songs, is there a way that I can serve people in some way, in some fashion, so that they care um, about the music that is uh, probably going to be produced in the next couple of months? Um, the way that I handle that, since I have so many things that I'm juggling in life, an upcoming wedding and work, to be honest, the way that I handle it is I ignore it. I ignore it. As much as it um, makes me happy to do it, um, sometimes there's just so many things going on that I just ignore it because uh, I don't know how to answer it. So um, I do get reminded by some good friends of mine here and there to ensure that it keeps moving forward, but, uh, but that's, uh, that's, that's how I handle it. So that's, that's what Mario had to say, um, and I, I'm going to share a link to Mario's music, if you check out the show notes, if you just head over to process.show, you will find a link to his Spotify and all that stuff so you can listen to his amazing songs. My favorite is Yellow, P.S. Love it. Can't get enough of it. Um, but I found it really interesting that Mario just ignores what he knows he needs to focus on the most to make his side project thrive. And I think that's something that we all do, you know, kind of a little bit in denial. 
if there's one area that we are struggling with, then that's the area where we kind of, that's what we hide from. Just on a personal note, I think that's happening to me as well because the one thing that I should be making or, or writing is my book Make and I'm focused on a hundred other things like this podcast and writing the series Mindfulness for Makers, which you can find at mindfulnessformakers.com and that's all going really well except don't even ask me about the book because back burner. <laughs> so I feel you, Mario, and I think that there's there's something to be said for facing what we're what we're resisting head on you know so i'm with you there and i'm sure that there are a bunch of people who are listening right now who who can relate and this kind of leads me to what another friend of mine sent natalie she is a writer she's writing her first book and her and I exchange emails pretty frequently because, and sometimes Skype conversations when we can make our schedule align, which is hard with a toddler, I know. <laughs> but I loved what she had to say to the same question of, you know, what she's making, what she's struggling with, and how she's handling it, because it's something that, like you've heard on this podcast, what I'm dealing with with make. So let's listen to Natalie and see what she shares about her book. Here's Natalie. So I am currently working on my first novel. Um, I am about two years into the process, so I have had many struggles along the way. Um, I would say what I am struggling with these days um, is also an ongoing struggle, and that is finding the balance between knowing when to push myself to hit deadlines um, and knowing when to give myself just a moment to breathe um, and to put the work aside um, and trusting that it is in my best interest to do so. Writing has been for me um, something that I have come to understand is going to be about much more than the final outcome of the work. Um, it's been a process of self-examination, um, especially the nature of what I have been writing. So um, I think these days it's been all about developing compassion and understanding that uh, what we think of sometimes as the suffering artist, I'm not sure if it's so much the suffering um, as it is about unveiling authenticity and getting to know your truest self. Um, because I think ultimately, if we are creating anything wholeheartedly, it demands that we show up with that level um, of genuineness, that we show up with that level of vulnerability. So yeah, so right now my, my answer is really just developing compassion and patience. Thanks, Natalie, for sharing that and for being vulnerable enough to send me that. Uh, I think that that's, it's something that we all face, whether or not we're aware of it. And maybe even on a, you know, it's maybe it's a daily occurrence, whether it's a huge struggle or a small one, uh, I feel like it's very difficult to always maintain a solid level of self-compassion when it comes to hitting roadblocks in our work. There's actually another writer that I want to share with you, and his obstacle is very different from Natalie's, and he's a technical writer. He is somebody I actually met on Twitter, and... I want to share what he's going through with his own manuscript. 
currently, Rick is working over in Denver, which is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. So whoop, whoop, Denver. He's chief operating officer of a company called New Media Denver. And because, like I mentioned, we met, we met on Twitter. I, I can't even remember how. Uh, it was a while back. But through his tweets, I kind of learned about his book or what he's working on. And I decided to reach out and ask him to share what's going on with it. So here's Rick. I'm actually in the middle of a lot of different projects. So in terms of answering the question of what I'm making, uh, the thing that I'm most proud of is the fact that I'm finally making a lot of progress towards my first book. And I'm already at the stage where I've completed the first um, draft of the manuscript, all 35,000 words of it. Uh, the thing I struggle with the most is just finding the time. You know, there's a lot of different competing factors between uh, working at a startup, uh, being a husband, being a father, and also having a lot of other creative endeavors and outlets and wanting to do it all and, you know, having to realize that we're not superhuman. And while you can do uh, anything, you can't do everything at the same time. So from a coping mechanism or strategy perspective, you know, I just try to chunk it down and I also try to wake up as early as I can and get as much of that in place in that first half hour of the day so that way I know I'm making steady progress. And putting up certain reminders, uh, you know, certain goals on the wall, and also having little timers to go off to sort of remind me that, hey, this is the thing that you just said was the most important, so at least take five minutes to work towards it. Um, while it may seem small and trivial, most of the time I find that once I get started in that first five minutes, I can extend that to 10, 15, 20, 30 uh, very, very easily. The trick is to just get started. And in the beginning, the very, very first thing of the day is the time that I can guarantee I can get started with no distractions. Thank you, Rick, uh, for sharing that. And before I even comment on that, I want to share a very similar answer that I received from my friend Jason who actually worked with me on a past project called Devise. And we've kept in touch. And I, I reached out to him because he's doing something completely different from what I'm doing, but he has a very similar answer to Rick. So let's listen in to what Jason has to say, and then I'll share some thoughts. Here's Jason. Right now I'm working on a book for freelancers on how to find clients, and how to get started in freelancing. My biggest challenge is finding time to work on the book, and the way that I'm working on that challenge is by getting up earlier in the morning. Thanks, Jason. So as you can tell, Rick and Jason are working on, not I wouldn't say similar projects because their manuscripts are on very different things, but at the same time, they're facing similar obstacles, and they're both doing kind of, you know, taking a similar approach, which is to get up earlier. So this uh, wouldn't work for a lot of people, including myself, because I love to sleep and it's very hard for me to give up my sleep. But I think it's something that can work for a lot of different people. Now, the question is commitment. Rick and Jason are super committed to doing what they're doing, which is writing manuscripts in their books. So what are you committed to is a question and how far are you willing to go for it? And I loved what Rick had to say, but you can do anything. Just can't do everything at the same time. That really got me thinking about 
what we really cut out of our lives. And I wrote a post about back, I don't know, a few months ago when, when I was doing the whole KonMari, like cleaning out my closet and my whole house kind of thing. And I discussed how to clean out your life. Uh, and I was talking about friendships and stuff like that. But I really have been thinking about how I spend my time. So with a toddler, it's difficult for me to allocate my time. And I, I'm, you know, the with him the majority of the day how do I balance my deep work or, you know, creating this podcast or writing, uh, you know, a thousand words a day or what have you with entertaining him? In your case, the constraint might be just your job. How do you get so much done aside from your nine to five? It could be that you are, you know, taking care of somebody else. It could be a million things. I have a friend, my best friend, who spends so much time commuting and, you know, she's involved in extracurricular activities, I call them, because it's kind of like school. Outside of work, she signed up for a leadership program and all this stuff and she's basically rushing all the time everywhere and and, uh, the majority of our conversations lately are about that, about how can I simplify my schedule and the question really is, what are you committed to? So what are your priorities and then how do you make those happen? And I think Rick and Jason have found, you know, the solution for them, which is to get up earlier. And that's awesome because home slice, I can't do it. (laughs) Props to them. And that leads me to something that Sue, a friend Sue, told me about. And I want to share that with you. I also asked her what she's been working on and how it's going. What is she struggling with and what she's been doing to deal with it? So let's hear from Sue because she has something interesting to say that I think ties into this whole thing of you just got to start. So here's Sue Caulfield, who I actually met in a creative community called Self-Made Society. Uh, That's run by Caroline Kelso, who's been on on the podcast. And I'm not sure what episode number she was, but I'll include it in the show notes over at process.show where you can check out the creative community where I met Sue. And anyways, we connected there. And I know that Sue is currently working at a university or a school of medicine as assistant director of student affairs. Uh, But I wanted to ask Sue about her work as an illustrator. So here's Sue telling us a little bit about what she's dealing with and how she's managing. So currently I'm working on a couple of paintings. Um, I really have not been painting a lot lately, yet I've had this kind of haunting feeling that I've wanted to create some paintings. And I've really been grappling with this idea of that I've already created my best work. So that I'm kind of past my prime. I've already created this painting that is probably one of my better ones. And it's actually hanging in my office, so I see it every day. And although it makes me happy, it often kind of makes me doubt myself a little bit as an artist. I really think that every time I pick up a paintbrush, it's not something that comes super natural to me. It's definitely relaxing when I get into the groove of it. But it's something that, you know, I have to kind of find my flow, if you will. So I am handling it a couple of ways. I meet with a couple of creative women every couple weeks or so, and we really talk about what we're struggling with. So that definitely helps to have a space to voice my opinion. 
And the other way I really battle it, if you will, is just try to convince myself to start, which I found is sometimes the hardest part with a lot of things. <laughs> and I really do think that if you just keep making stuff, eventually your chances of making something great go up. So that's basically my mantra right now is just keep making stuff. Thank you, Sue, for sharing that. And I, I just want to be super transparent that I'm so jealous <laughs> of Sue's mastermind group. And yesterday when she sent me this clip um, of her answering the question, I asked her like, oh, how the mastermind group go? And she was like, oh, it's in a few, it's in a little bit. We wait until we can have some wine. And I was like, I want to kill you right now. <laughs> that sounds amazing. But um, anyways, Sue's answer reminded me of this quote that I wanted to share with you, and it's by C.S. Lewis, and it says, friendship has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. And I love that quote, but part of me doesn't know like, if I agree, because I do think that friendship has survival value. Like how many times, I mean, I've written about mastermind groups in the past, and I'll link to that in the, the show notes, but how many times have I thought like, I am not going to survive this day and my bestie is there. Oh, shout out to soup. What up? But at the same time, like creative voices and creative connection like Sue has with her group is I think sometimes not just keeps us going like in terms of survival, but also provides us with feedback and insights and help that helps our projects move forward in a way that helps us make more money on top of everything. So I think that that's, I mean, money in the long run, reach more people with, you know, everything's, you know, I am a big fan of just serving people. So I do think that keeping friends around that can help us, you know, stay true to our mission really does have survival value. And on the other hand, Wait, just a side note. I'm thinking that I need to write Mario an email and, and kick his butt a little bit for not doing his work on audience building, which I will do that. Sorry, Mario. Uh, I'll reach out later. But on the other hand, this quote made me think about art. Does art have survival value? Or is art something that gives value to survival? And I know a lot of the people that I talk to... Um, so far, so Mario, Natalie, you know, various of them already make money off their art. Some of them are not yet, but plan to, and that is the end goal here. So I do think that the answer could go different ways, but for me, no matter who cares if you make money or like, I personally, am going to tell you the truth. I don't make money off this podcast. I don't have sponsors on it. I love talking to people and sharing these lessons this podcast might make me money in the future. It might not, don't care. But the whole point is of what I'm saying is that creating and making stuff gives value to survival. And that's why I love how Sue just says, like, just keep making. And that's my mantra right now. That's my focus because that's going to lead me to, I don't know what, but it's going to be awesome. But so far, we've talked about people who have jobs and are working on side projects or people who are, you know, just creating for the fun of it. And 
I want to talk a little bit about people who are finding themselves creative at work. And I want to share my friend Helen's story. Helen is also from Nicaragua, but I didn't actually meet her because she's from Nicaragua. I met her because I met her boyfriend at a conference. And when they came to visit Nicaragua, we decided to meet up and we became fast friends and we're in a mastermind group together, which never meets Helen. We, <laughs> we need to get together. But uh, I, I want to share her story because Helen works at Unbounce and she wants to share with us a little bit about the work that she's doing at Unbounce and how she brings her creativity to work. So let's talk to Helen. I'm not making anything right now that's very specific to a project. What I've been trying to do is work creative writing or writing creatively back into my life. Um, and it's more of the process of trying to do this that I'm struggling with. From nine to five, I, I'm professionally a writer and I, I'm a marketing writer. So I write about product and I write about marketing trends and you know ways that people can help themselves with our tool or other tools or tips and tricks. And that's a very different kind of writing. And it's difficult to try to work and you have it into my day to day, but that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And that's how I'm handling it. So just like somebody wakes up in the morning and makes coffee or like just the way that I would go and walk the dog as soon as I get home from work or make dinner, I'm trying to work writing or writing creatively back into my life. So every morning I try to get a thousand words in and I just keep pushing forward with that. And I'm hoping it'll lead to a good place. When I heard Helen share that, I started thinking a little bit about how we can all incorporate creativity in the workplace. Because let's face it, a lot of us, like, yes, a lot of people who are listening to this are entrepreneurs, but guess what? Entrepreneurs sometimes have staff as well, <laughs> myself included, not at the moment, but I have in the past. So for entrepreneurs, I wonder how we could help the people who help, who work with us to bring their creativity to work. But then if you are, you know, quote unquote, an employee at the moment, how can you bring more of your creativity to work? So uh, it, whether or not you're on the boss or the employee, how can we inspire more creativity and be more open to creativity, no matter the situation? So I asked my friend Aldo, who works over at Techstars, and I've interviewed Aldo before. I believe he was episode number five. I might be wrong, but I'll, I will link to it in the show notes. So he's no stranger to the podcast. And I wanted to talk to him because he's been rocking it at working at a company. And he's now, let's see, startup programs director for Latin America, US and Canada for Techstars. That's badass. So here's what Aldo had to say about I mean, not only tech stars, you know, but just he works with so many startups, right? With through his work at tech stars. This is his advice of how should startups and companies be more open to creativity? Let's hear from Aldo. It's a big challenge to be creative when you have so many restraints that have been set up within the company to try and minimize risks. 
uh, when a company has already figured out their product, its market and its processes, uh, what it has to do is to basically scale their operations so it can repeat its successful business formula. So this means that there can be little or no leeway to try and do things differently. Uh, either you are constrained by branding guidelines or commercial agreements. It's not so easy to just decide to try something new. This turns companies into huge and slow organizations that uh, to do something new, something creative or different, they need to get 32 signatures and the approval from the CEO's grandma. So one of the ways that companies can avoid uh, creative death by hierarchy is creating spaces for innovative thought and experimentation. Um, give the creative and out-of-the-box thinkers the opportunity to come up with new ideas, products, services, uh, and let them just run small experiments to see how successful or unsuccessful their ideas can be. Um, and one, of, uh, one simple way of just doing this is creating an internal program in which you let your teams use half a day or, or a day, probably like Friday, to work on their creative and innovative projects and just let them run some experiments and creative prototypes and reviewing with them and just see how far and how creative your teams can be and give yourself the same opportunity to just try something different like for half a day or, or a little bit less, right? And he's right, right? Like, this is how Gmail came to be with their 20% time at Google for working on different projects and stuff like that. So I think Aldo is, you know, definitely right that it's really up to us to, you know, if you're the one deciding, then give people some more leeway to bring their, you know, their true selves, their creativity to the job and see what happens. There don't have to be like specific outcomes, you know, that, that, that result from the creative time you never know what could happen and at the same time if you are the employee maybe try to persuade a little bit but i think that that's doesn't only apply to that situation i think it applies to anybody so me for example if i gave myself fridays off to just explore it'd probably be my photography to be honest with you that's a sign that I should be doing it more often <laughs> um but I'm not for some reason and I, I need to work on that but I should and that's a good sign that I should be paying attention to and if you ask yourself a similar question if I had one day off to be creative in whatever way I wanted no outcomes just having fun what would it be and whether you're in a job or you're not it's a good question and to ask it to know the answer for so thank you Helen for sharing that and you know we we all want to see that creative writing and uh, Aldo for sharing your experience with startups and stuff like that and it reminds me of uh, this this quote that says better to write for yourself and have no public than to write for the public and have no self that's Cyril Connolly I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly my bad but it's true. And whenever I think about like, why am I even doing this? Who listens to this podcast? Who cares? Who reads my newsletters or whatever? I mean, there are people who listen, <laughs> but sometimes the number seems too small or it seems like I shouldn't bother. And that's not true. These are just momentarily little gremlins. And I remember this quote and I think, you know, it's better to do this for myself. That is, like I said before, the value. This is the art that gives value to my survival. So who cares if what the size of the public, whether it's Oprah or whether it's, you know, like millions and millions and bazillions of people or whether it's five. I'm, I'm lucky to be here. And, um, and I think that everybody's sharing their struggles and their the obstacles and how they're facing them is not only a way of, like I said at the beginning, commiserating, but at the same time, it's learning from each other and knowing that 
home size, you're not alone, but we all feel I'm not alone either in feeling that making is worth it. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. It was a little bit different. And honestly, I loved listening to everybody's answers and just including some more voices in here, not just my own and more than just one other person. Sometimes it's nice to hear from an array of people and feel like, you know what? We're in this together, Home Slice. (laughs) So thank you to Mario, to Natalie, to Rick, to Jason, to Sue, to Helen, to Aldo. And, you know, let me know what you thought of this. Did you like this format? Let me know. I'm Marcinator over on Twitter. That's M-A-R-C-I-N-A-T-O-R, like the Terminator. And... I'll be back next week. Next week will be an interview. So I'm excited to share that with you because it's been a long time in the making. So remember to check out the show notes. I'll be linking to everybody that spoke here on the show today who shared their voice and lent their voice to to this episode. I hope you check out their work because they're all awesome. Not only do I consider them friends, but I also admire them and there's so much more to learn from them. So check out the show notes over at www.process.show. And I'd love it if you could share this episode with somebody, you know, who's struggling with their creativity, you know, whether they're a musician a writer, developer, whether they're working on their own as an entrepreneur or they're working in a company. There's a lot that, that can be learned from everybody who shared their, their opinions and their experiences here. So I'd love it if you could share it with somebody. And if not, hop on over to iTunes and maybe lend us a little five-star review if you're in the mood. So thanks for listening to episode number 30. Isn't it crazy? It's been 30 episodes of process. Time absolutely flies. It's crazy. I'll be back next Friday with the next episode of process on sales and more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making and selling. (laughs) I'm Marcela, your host. And this was Process. Thanks so much for listening.